Amen. All right, guys. So, so we've been going through the book of Acts this summer, and this week we're talking about Acts chapter 15, and to carry on the theme from last week of me naming the sermons after random things from my childhood, I'm calling this one Get Along Gang, which was a cheesy cartoon that they used to show when I was a little kid. And uh, so anyway, that's what we're going to call it, Get Along Gang, and it's Acts 15. It's funny to go back to the other slide now. We've, there we go. Okay. I don't leave that up there too long. But it's an interesting thing. When we're preaching through like we're doing now and we're studying and like Pastor Kevin's filling in stuff on the podcast during the week, you just preach and you just talk about what is before you. It's been amazing to me how well that's fit into our life and everything. But then sometimes you get one you're like, wow, there is uh, not a whole lot of... Uh, this is a hard one, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's not a whole lot of lighthearted stuff, because really what this is, and what this message is going to be, is us just talking about three different disagreements that people had, and then I have some kind of takeaways, I think, from that. So what I want to do is just go through what all these disagreements were, and how they solved them or didn't solve them, and things like that, and so uh, then we'll talk about what we can maybe learn from them, but just be aware, this may end in a heavier spot. So, at least we had to get along gang slide. So, <laughs> and then Kayla, I want just you to come up at the end, okay? I didn't get to tell her that. Okay, so Acts 15, verses 1 and 2. Let me read this. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So they have a disagreement. It's a theological disagreement. You have Jewish people that have the customs that God has established to set apart the Jewish people. And then now Jesus has come, and he's offering salvation to everyone. And so they're saying, well, how do we live through this? Because we have these rules we're supposed to follow. Do these new people need to follow these? Some people say yes. Some people say no. This circumcision is a, like a physical mark that marked out these are God's people, and these aren't. So it kind of made sense for some people to go, yeah, I think we should be making people do this. And Paul and these guys are saying, no, this is not necessary. But they don't agree, okay? So they need to sort it out. So they head up to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles to do this. So they have a big meeting. And you have Peter stepping up in verses 6 through 11. The apostles, the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips, the message of the gospel, and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving, them the Holy, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now, then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it, it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. So that's a big distinction that Peter just made. That because of what Jesus did, things are different now. Okay? And it's only by the grace of, of what Jesus did, not by any of this stuff that they do, we do, or anybody does, that is the saving thing. And so they go, okay, you're right. Everybody talks back and forth, and they go, okay, that, that's actually the better. But we need to still settle some of this cultural stuff. And so James stands up and says, okay, here's what I think. 
It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God, which is a good thing. Let's not make it difficult for people. He said, instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And then they agree, and they write a letter and say, here's what we say for everybody to do. So it's kind of like we can all be on the same page. And what you see in this is a kind of list of... Um, we could probably take some time and blow this list up and talk about all these details. There's a lot of, uh, the big picture is this. These are things that marked who you were, the former culture you had. It was pagan stuff, sexual immorality, weird worship practices, all this kind of stuff. And we need to have a clear marker that you're turning away from that. You're leaving that behind and you're going in this new direction. We're not making you cut anything, (laughs) but... You need to make a change in your life so that we can all be in fellowship together. So they're giving up some of this stuff. It's not like Jesus came into my life and I live exactly the same way as I always did. That isn't how it works, usually. And I can't just give you a list. Like, this is a list that was made then. Like, if I told you, hey, stay away from food, sacrifice to idols, you're like, whatever. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't translate exactly that way. You need to know what the food sacrifice to idols is in your life. And when God's telling, when God calls us and we're saved by the grace of Jesus, the gift that Jesus gives us, we leave behind these things for the sake of fellowship with the group. So if you're thinking you can do everything that everybody does that's out in the world, that's just not true, okay? But it took a little bit of a disagreement to get to this. And there was, um, um, but you can see a little bit more into this disagreement if you look in Galatians 2. And I will say caveat, some scholars think this may not be the same thing, but a lot of them do. I think it is, um, though I don't get like super deep into that kind of thing. But in Galatians 2, Paul talks about what I think is this exchange. And if it's not this one, it's another one, so the point's the same. But he gives you kind of a little bit of a picture of how deep this thing went. So then after 14 years, I went up to, again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation in meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So he's a Gentile. This matter arose because some false believers had been infiltrating our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. That's Galatians 2, 1 through 5. And so he talks about this was kind of a heated disagreement, you know, and they didn't, it took a while to get to a place where they could uh, um, move forward together. So, but then it goes on. So this is the, that was the first disagreement. They had a theological disagreement about what did Gentile people need to do to be a part of the people of God, okay? And they solved that one. Disagreement two, we find connected to this in Galatians 2, where Paul is disagreeing with Peter now. So they make this distinction. They're like, look, it's cool. We can all be together. You guys leave these things behind and join this group, but we're not going to make everybody follow this law the way we used to have to. Jesus has done something different now and is offering salvation to the world. And he's proven it to us by filling people with the Holy Spirit, people we never thought. Like, remember when Bree was preaching, it was like, this is shocking to me now that what God is doing. But he's making his plan evident to us. And Peter was a part of that. You remember he stood up and said, hey, guys, remember I was the guy who did all that stuff in Acts 10? Like, that was literally what he was just talking about. 
But now we go to Galatians 2, and Paul's like, hey, yeah, I did this thing. I went up there. We had this disagreement, but we settled it because these guys were trying to make us do this stuff. The next part, 11 through 16, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came to came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Now we're back at that same thing again. The other Jews joined him in, this, in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you're forcing Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law no one will be justified. So this is an important, this is a major theological issue that they've settled. It is by grace we are saved. All people, Jew, Gentile, everyone. Okay? And that theological distinction or decision or thing that God has revealed, revelation is what Paul calls it, is causing sociological disagreement. (laughs) Issues is what I might call them because everybody can't see it the same way and they're having to work through these. And you're seeing Peter stand up in the group to help make the decision and later because of the social pressure fall back into this thing. And he's not just any guy. He's Peter. And so people are like, well, if he's doing it, I should probably be doing it. And then they're following. And then Paul, who's another guy like that, is going, dude, no, you know. And so that's the second disagreement. And Paul handles it by disagreeing with him to his face. And Paul was right to do that. But if you continue in Acts 15, we get to the third disagreement that we're having to solve right now. So they settled the thing. This is how we're going to do this. We've got some letters. We want you to take these out to people. We're all in agreement now, okay? So we can all share this as Christian people. The followers of Jesus believe that the salvation that we're, we are given is a gift from Jesus, and we all accept it the same way through faith. Great. And we're going to send this letter out kind of making sure everybody knows that. You guys go out. And so Paul and Barnabas, who came together to help be part of this discussion, say, hey, like, all right, we're going to go out again. And then here's what happens. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city we were previously, pre- where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. So that's what stuff we were just talking about the last couple of weeks. These guys were on these journeys around these islands in the Mediterranean, parts of Turkey and stuff like that. And they're stopping and telling people about Jesus. Some of them are liking it, some of them aren't, but they're starting churches and stuff. And so now he's saying, let's go back and check on this stuff. Barnabas agreed. Not a disagreement. But he wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia, which we brushed over last week, where like they had gone on part of the journey, and then all of a sudden, John Mark heads back to Jerusalem. And it kind of just says that as you go, but really, he, in Paul's mind, deserted them. Like, we're not done, and you left, right? But Barnabas, who's like a, I think most people think he's a relative, he's like, hey, man, like, let's give him a second shot, you know? And... 
So John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylian and not continued with them in their work. The disagreement was so sharp that they separated. These guys had done all this amazing stuff. They'd been healing people. They'd been, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And because of this, they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus again. And Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. That's the end of the chapter we're studying this week. And you kind of go, wow, end on a high note. This is what I think the Lord has for us from studying this right now. Often when we imagine things, because you have to use your imagination to engage with the Bible in a lot of ways. And I don't mean make stuff up, but I mean like if, I, if you start reading about Exodus or the, 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 the Hebrew people being in Egypt and it's describing things in the Nile River, you're imagining what that looks like, you know, hopefully accurately, but you're using your brain in this way, right? And when you hear about Jesus healing someone and this, they talk about this group of people around him and all this kind of, you're seeing that group of people and, you know, or at least hopefully in some way you are. But that's your imagination working. So when I say imagination, don't hear fake, okay? And also don't hear um, not real. You know, you can imagine things that aren't real, but you can also imagine things that are or that were you know, being described to you. Even if, like, I'm just telling you a story, you're imagining it or it's not funny, you know, or serious, whatever the tone of the story is. So the point is, when you imagine some of these things that we're going through with the book of Acts, you can imagine that things were awesome then, unlike things now. And you can take that so far to where it isn't true anymore. Because if you remember, yeah, the disciples were all in one accord when they prayed like we were just praying for a revival that the Holy Spirit would break in. And they didn't know even exactly what that would mean or what that would look like. They had the, Jesus says, wait for the helper. Okay. And it comes and it changes everything, you know. And they were all in one accord. And that was awesome. But then like immediately after that, we talked about, wait a second, they're giving favoritism to some of these people. And some of these people aren't getting the same thing. And they have to appoint people to deal with that. And then, you know, and so you get into this that you can make up this idea that there's a perfect church. And if we could just do that, I would be a part of it. And then look at every single church all around the world. And when I say church, this is another, let's clarify this word. When I say church, I do mean church, like a building like ours and a group of people like ours, a congregation, which might be in some ways distinct from another church across town. But when I'm generally talking about it, what I'm meaning is the body of Christ, which is all the believers in the world who are following Jesus, all of us. So there's like this kind of thing people do right now, like, yeah, I really hate the church, but I really love Jesus. We're like, you can't do that. Because if you love Jesus, you're part of it. So you're hating yourself. And you follow what I'm going with there? So there's no position to love Jesus and hate the church. That doesn't exist. Or you can do it, but you're not a Christian, okay? You don't love Jesus. You're just lying to yourself. And there's Bible verses that talk about that. So, but the church is the people who are following Jesus, okay? All of them. Every single one of them. Even the annoying ones. You all hear what I'm saying now? 
And you don't get to separate from them just because you go to a different building on Sunday morning. They're still part of it, just like you are. So the first point to take away from this is there isn't a perfect church anywhere. And if Peter and Paul can't do it, God help the rest of us. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that as like a, well, you know, since we're not perfect, whatever, anything goes. No, that's not how this works. You still try to work things out. But the thing is, there isn't a perfect standard. And so I think the enemy gets into people's heads like, yes, you had a bad experience at a church. Yes, churches do some of the worst stuff I've ever heard. Like, trust me, I've heard some stuff, okay? You don't even have to have, like, a degree in history to know some of the bad stuff the church has done. Like, they were burning people at one point, you know? That's wrong. I don't know if we need to establish that, but, you know... So, like, coming back from that, I mean, the church has done some wrong stuff, and we should repent about that, even as a whole, and even if we had nothing to do with it, because we're part of that group, just because we are. The church has enforced racism. The church was involved in all sorts of ethnic cleanse. I mean, the church has done some really, really, really messed up stuff, and really anti-Jesus stuff, okay? Bad. The church has treated people horribly by classes, by race, by gender, by sexuality. We've treated people really bad, okay? So none of this is a pass for that. But what I'm saying is because of that, you have an experience, or I have an experience, and then we turn to well, and it starts this whole thing like I'm going to find this perfect church. They aren't out there, all right? And you should take from this, you're not going to find it, okay? So then what? What? You know, what about these people this first thing is there's no perfect church because the church is made of people. One day when Jesus returns, and you can read in like Revelation 21 and 22 in this kind of area, what things will be like. And there won't be any more crying, and there won't be any more pain, and it will be perfect. But until then, it's going to be messed up, all right? And we can take some courage from the fact that even these guys were having a hard time and not give up. The other thing is this, no perfect church, and in kind of in the same way, there's no perfect followers, all right? It's not always clear what the right thing to do is. And if anybody's a parent, they know this. The same thing's true with a group of people. The same thing's true with the church. The same thing's true with almost anything. There are times when God says very clearly in his word, don't do this. Do that. Stop doing this. Like, there's at least ten I can think of right now, you know. And so... There are lists like that, but oftentimes when we get into this theological discussion and try to incorporate our sociological work, inner working, like because I believe this, now I'm encountering this at work, what do I do about it? Very often, you're going to have to figure that one out through prayer, discussion with people, all that kind of thing, and two believers that are both trying to do the right thing and honestly submitted to God can come to different conclusions. They may both be wrong. They may both be right. One may be right, one may be wrong. All of that can be happening. And so that we just need to give each other a break a little bit. Because here's the thing. Peter was wrong. What Peter did that time in Galatians with the Jews, he was wrong, you know? And it was right for Paul to call him out on it. And I wasn't there, but I would probably venture the guess that Paul was probably wrong about the John Mark thing. It doesn't really matter, but 
it was pretty harsh, I guess, you know. And it kind of goes to this thing that I, I want to throw in there, because this, this whole message is kind of about us living with each other. <laughs> Jesus offers us this salvation and this rebirth, as it's called. You know, you are born again into the kingdom of God, and you're a new person, okay? And we talk about, like, dying to the self and everything. But at the same time, God has created each and every one of us differently, and he's made us all differently with personalities. Yeah, sure, life gets in the way, and bad experiences kind of messes things up, and so we're not all, like, running on all cylinders all the time. Some of us are hurt, so we hurt people. We all know that kind of stuff, you know? So it makes life difficult. But in general, like, we all still have a personality. And, you know, if you have a kid, like, sometimes they, you have them as an infant, and you're like, this kid is very different than the last kid I had, like, day one. Like, we haven't taught them anything yet. They came out that way. You know what I mean? This one's louder. You know? <laughs> Things like that. Or quieter, maybe. But the point is, God's wired us that way. You might call that wiring or something like that. And I think that, like, you look at Peter and Paul, and yes, Peter is the rock God's building his church on. So it's not like, what a loser. You know, he's not like that. Like, this the person, the human being that Jesus is like, that's the guy to start this whole thing that we're still a part of now. And Paul is the guy who Jesus chooses while he's wanting to kill people for following Jesus. Jesus decides, I should meet him and appoint him, the guy who's going to kind of take it to everybody else, all right? These are big deal people, you know, in the history of everything that we're doing right now, standing here right now. So these guys, they're, they're important, and they're disagreeing, and they're probably, in each case, both wrong. And what kind of leads them that way is that Peter first, he, you see him following Jesus. He's always, like, sticking his foot in his mouth, probably because he's the only guy bold enough to actually say what everybody else is already thinking, you know. The Mount of Transfiguration happens. He's like, this is cool because I get this. Jesus, let's build some temple. Like, let's do this thing, you know. Like, and, and he's like, you know, you could be like, that guy, you know. But then he's like the only guy walking on water, but then he sings. And then, you know, he's always the guy stepping out, you know. And then he, the night Jesus is betrayed, he denies him three times, you know. And it's like this whole thing. that he's, But then later his shadow is healing people, you know. But he never stops being Peter, okay. And so here you got him now later in the game. He kind of gives into that peer pressure again, you know. And it took the other people to call him back. Be like, dude, no way. This is not how you do it. And he, knowing the guy, he probably was like, oh, I'm so wrong, and I repent, and all this kind of thing, you know. And then Paul is over here, pre-Jesus, going, we should kill all these people. Most people don't think that way, okay. They're like, I don't like what they're doing. We should kill them now, okay. That's, that's a severe person, okay. Now, he experiences the grace of Jesus. His life is transformed, and he's doing all this amazing stuff. He's healing people, or God's healing through him, or whatever, and he's doing this amazing stuff. And then this guy's like, that guy deserted us. Forget him. You're like, whoa, calm down, bro. Like, like, he's still a severe guy. And here's the thing I think about that. God needs them all. I remember we were hanging out. I can't remember who said this, but it was on one of the mission trips I was with Jeff we were in Israel they did this conference and we were sitting around talking afterwards and some of these people were in like some pretty intense places like Jeff was just visiting Iraq and there was like a war there in Syria like these are intense places they're intense now people get killed now you know 
And I remember somebody sharing. They were like, yeah, I always thought it was like, they're talking about their pre-Christian days. They're like, I always kind of thought that what I would do is get a speedboat and try to run cocaine from, I can't remember, we were like Cuba or something like that. That was a good way to make money. And I was like, what kind of, that's not a job. Like, <laughs> but then I thought, if, you're, if that's how you think about life, God can really use you to do some pretty crazy stuff over here because you're like, most people aren't considering that as a career, you know? You're not going to learn how to do that at DeVry. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and it takes all these kinds, and God wants it that way, but gee, it makes it hard to get along sometimes. And that's okay, and that's why we have to try. You don't just say, well, they're stupid or they're bad, and, blah, blah, and all the kind of things we say all the time. The third thing which is related to this is that good people can disagree. Okay? You can read later in Paul's letters, even that one we just talked on. Like he wrote that stuff after this, okay? And he talks very positively about Barnabas. He doesn't go, yeah, and that jerk who deserted me because of his stupid nephew or whatever. He doesn't do that. He talks positively about Barnabas. And they parted, and I don't know if they ever got... Back then, it wasn't like, we'll FaceTime next week. It's cool, you know? They may never have seen each other again. I don't know. Kevin can tell you more in the podcast. But the... Uh, did they? That doesn't matter. Uh, he'll tell you in the podcast. Tune in, guys. But the, uh, the point is that he didn't hold the grudge. He was forgiving, okay? And so we need to be humble and love each other. Because, oh, you're putting out the podcast. Distractions. But we need to be humble and, uh, and love each other because it's... You can be earnestly seeking God, earnestly wanting to do the right thing, and come to some very different conclusions than somebody else who's doing the exact same thing. It may be because of that wiring thing I was talking about. It may be because they're not called to do the same thing. It may be because they're wrong. It may be because you're wrong. So we should really be humble about how we do things with other people, especially the annoying ones. I'm going to say that. I wasn't looking at you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was the Holy Spirit. I was me. I was just looking at this general area. <laughs> no, no, no. Especially, it's all good. See, forgiveness. That was good modeling. But here's the thing, guys. Like, there's no perfect church. <laughs> you don't have to worry about fitting in. You'll fit really good into an imperfect church. Of, follow, of people who follow Jesus, you'll fit right in. You know, Jeff used to have a thing. He would say, if you ever found a perfect church, don't join it or you'll ruin it. That was his version of the same thing. So it, you'll fit right in. And yeah, you might annoy some of us, but we'll love you because that's what we're called to do. And we can do that because the Holy Spirit empowers us. But Kayla, come on up here. The real thing that we really need to think about and really need to do is when we consider the goodness of God. You know, Paul and them... They have this fight, and Barnabas takes John Mark, and they go off. John Mark writes the book of Mark. You see that? Like, that's kind of a big, like, if Paul had, Paul's over here, forget that guy. He left us, you know. If they had followed that, we might not have had that book. Now, that's Paul. Paul who wrote, like, a lot of the New Testament. The St. Paul who developed the phrases 
that we use a lot to talk about God now and the importance of what Jesus did. Paul wrote most of that stuff. But if they had followed his gut instinct in that moment, we may not have one of the most important gospels because it was, you know, used in the other ones and stuff. And like, so Mark is this critical person that Paul couldn't see in that moment. So that wasn't, that was a mistake. So what, what we need to do, realizing there's no perfect church, realizing there's no perfect followers of Jesus, realizing good people can disagree and that we're a part of this group, we really need to repent. Because right now, our culture wants us to be so severe about everything. And there are things that we disagree on, and that's important. But how we disagree and what we do with these disagreements is sometimes more important it's at least as important and so I do think that uh, I want to take a moment here at the end and invite us because in that environment that we live in now of super severe everything and canceling people and gracelessness I'm calling us God is calling us through this text to be people that will live with each other with grace and humility and love, realizing we're in this together. And that God loves my neighbor the same way he loves me, and he's calling me to love them as well. We just like to pretend like there's this way that I can love God and hate everybody else, you know? And that's just not true. All that does is reveal that you don't really love God. And so Kayla's going to sing this song, and I want you to invite us a chance to reflect and repent, because there's probably things we've said or thought or said to other people about other people, other Christian people, just other people in general, that we need to repent of. Um, So, Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts these things that if you want to pull them out from us Lord we want to give them to you we don't want to be people carrying around this burden of anger and burden of resentment even things that people have done to us that have been wrong actually wrong not just a disagreement but actually wrong and wounding Lord we want to be able to hand them to you as the healer and receive your grace and healing in our lives and live as believers that are full of your spirit realizing that we can't do it perfectly and humbly following you, Lord, wherever you may lead. In Jesus' name, amen.